Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out With Me. I'm your host, Katie Dalebow. If you're new, welcome. I'm so glad you found the podcast. I've been doing this since 2013, and I say this every week, but it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I get to meet such cool people, have these long-form conversations, and basically first friend dates. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. It's the best thing, getting to meet people who listen to the podcast, people who I get to talk to on the podcast. Like today's guest, I have my first friend date with Adam J. Kurtz, and it's one of my favorite conversations I've had in a while. We talk about marriage in a really mindful way that was maybe one of my favorite conversations about marriage ever. We talk about the internet and social media, which was maybe one of my favorite parts of this conversation, self-help and the good and the bad and the ugly with that success as well and we talk about New York which I loved but maybe for longer than we should have. I realize that I'm so fascinated with New York and so I just assume that everyone else is but I know a lot of people listening don't live in New York and that's completely cool. I used to not and may not always but I'm so fascinated with it that I'm I'm considering starting another podcast just about that. Anyway, but I kept it in because I thought it was interesting and unfortunately Adam didn't have a ton of time. He was so kind to give me some time on this day where he was going on a major trip the next day and I don't know if if you're like me, the day before a major trip or just like going on a small trip. I was just in Arizona last week, which was great. I had such a great time. It was my first time there and first time in the desert. But anyway, the night before a big trip, I feel like I always have 10 million things to do and Adam had me over and we had tea and just recorded this conversation. He's a delight. You'll love this conversation. I want to get to it as quickly as possible. If you like this podcast, if you listen every week, or if you listen after today, join the listener Facebook group. It's the secret group where you can connect to other people listening and myself and the guests. It's one of my favorite places on the internet, honestly. Also, if you want to support the podcast, share it. Blast it out of your speakers when you're walking or when you're driving, or you could just, you know, share it with a friend. I love seeing on social media you guys listening and it makes me so happy. And I feel like, you know, it makes me feel less alone and less like I'm just talking to no one, like I am right now in my room. But really, I'm talking to a bunch of people at once and it's really nice. So share it if it's something that is helpful to you or makes you laugh or smile or feel less alone. And subscribing on iTunes actually really helps, you know, the algorithm and anyway, do what you want to do. I'm just really glad you're here and you're listening today. All right, stick around to the end. I'll tell you the emoji for this episode, which is really just a way of getting you to stay to the very end or just me knowing that people actually do listen to the very end. And then we all have this like secret club at the end of, you know, an emoji that we're all 
placing on each other's Instagram. But follow Adam, get his book, his most recent book. He gave me a copy and I've really been, it's helped me more than I even thought it would. It's He's a delight. Check out all of his books, all the things he makes. He has a great calendar, which he also gifted me. And I, I just think the world of him and I hope that we do record another conversation. I know a lot of you asked questions for me to ask him when I told you he was coming on. And to be honest, I didn't get to a lot of those. This is a bit shorter of a conversation than I usually have just because of the time constraint. But, you know, we'll do it again and I'll ask those questions then. So I love you. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you at the end. Guys, I love a clean apartment, but what I don't love are the nasty chemicals found in traditional cleaning products. And that's why I love today's sponsor, Branch Basics, a very cool, sustainable, and affordable cleaning product line. Their products are all one multi-purpose concentrate that makes cleaning simple, affordable, and sustainable. All of their products are refillable and significantly less expensive than similar single-use products. They are not only safe, but their company also is eco-conscious and completely sustainable. I really love these products. They work on everything from sticky messes to terrifying stains. They have really made my life easier. I use them on everything from my laundry to cleaning my bathroom. Check them out and get 15% off your order of Branch Basic products by going to bit.ly slash L-I-O Branch Basics and entering the code Let It Out at checkout. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-I-O Branch Basics and enter the code Let It Out at checkout. This episode is brought to you in part by something I use and love called Acuity Scheduling. It's like a personal assistant for your schedule, only better. With Acuity Scheduling, people can quickly view your calendar in real time and from your availability, select the date and time that works best for them to meet with you. They can even pay in advance if they're booking a session with you and they can cancel or reschedule on their own without having to clog your inbox. With Acuity, you can instantly schedule with real-time availability, meaning no double bookings and no more wasted time. You can set up automatic confirmations and reminders, and what I love most is that you can customize the colors and add your logo. Everything looks super sharp. To try it out, you can get an extended 45-day trial when you sign up totally for free at acuityscheduling.com slash let it out to get that 45 five-day free trial, go to Acuity Scheduling slash Let It Out. Yeah, so thanks thanks for coming over to do this. And Thank you for having me. I know I was a little bit difficult with timing. I'm going to Manila on Wednesday morning. Uh, I'm speaking at a big design conference called Graphica that happens. Cool. And then... It was sort of a scam. I was like, well, you know, and they, they pay for the flight, which is like how it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and to fly there from New York, you have to go through Tokyo. So I was like, well, don't you guys think that I should just have like a nine day layover in Tokyo? And they were like, yeah, we, I mean, we don't care. That's fine. You can do whatever you want. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going on like this big trip, uh, but the bulk of the cost is sort of covered. And so That's perfect. it was this perfect confluence of like, I don't have a ton of work happening because January is such a slow time for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go. That's so exciting. Is your husband going with you? He's not, which, so at the time that this was coming together, we were in the run up to our wedding, which was December 1st. And I was Congrats. like, thank you. Thank you. 
Um, I was really, I was kind of like, well, I'm going to be so sick of Mitchell. Like, it's going to be great. I'm going with my best friend. Like, it's going to be like, uh, like a best friend's trip. Like, just dudes being dudes. No husbands allowed. And then, now that the trip is coming up, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to miss you so much. How like, this long? was a mistake. Total? Uh, 15 days. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, and we, we do often travel separately. We're really independent as people um, in our relationship is very much about us as a couple, but is also about like us as individuals, which That's is great. a whole other conversation yeah. and I think super healthy and pref- preferable. Um, but yeah, I'm get, by like day two or three, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. And like every time I see his face for like the last few days, I've been like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to really miss you. Yeah. Um, I'm, my boyfriend lives in Michigan, so I'm in a long distance relationship and it's the same thing. It's like, it's great to be independent people, but my boyfriend says this thing where he's like, the relationship would be bad if it didn't suck sometimes when we were apart and if you didn't miss each other. Yeah, that would be a red flag. That right. would be like, <laughs> I'm perfectly good without you, so yeah, what's the point? Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how did that happen? So you came to New York without him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm from Michigan. Um, I like and... very quickly stalked your Instagram. Oh, cool. So I knew that he lived in Detroit, but I was like, wait, but why? In my head, yeah, I was like, so wait. I just moved here in June. Okay, so really recently. Yeah, super recently. And when we met, I knew I was moving. Like that was kind of already set. And so mm-hmm. it was too new. Or when we started dating, I knew I was moving. And so it was too new to be like, well, let's like make a choice together or... And it yeah, was life too... is not a movie. That's not... Yeah. And then it was too... Also too new for me to be like, I'm going to not move. Actually, I never would have done that. Like, I was going to say, gonna... it's there's not a man in the world that's worth it. Exactly. So I was just like, this is what I'm doing. And then we were kind of like, well, let's just see how it goes. And if we want to, you know, still be together, which we did, I'm like obsessed with him secretly or like not very not secretly. that secretly you kind of post him yeah i mean yeah, what's the point secretly. of dating like a really cute guy if you can't instagram him sometimes yeah i will do that i'll instagram <laughs> pictures of mitchell and like my instagram followers aren't really here for that necessarily like on the whole they're not really here for for any people they're here for like illustrative work or like handwritten reminders well, or like one of your book followers, pages i'll speak for some of them i'm i'm here for all of the mitchell well, all the faces so you're you're like the ideal you're like you're like someone who gets that i'm a human person but yeah sometimes i'll post a picture of mitchell and i'll lose like 200 followers and i'm like really? cool peace i mean that's like if i post yeah. myself i will also so it's yeah it's one of those things where i'm like I love you so much that I will lose 200 <laughs> followers for you. Like, I'm not sure how that translates in terms of, like, classic ideas of romance. Yeah. But modern romance is, like, choosing to lose followers just so you Ooh, can brag. I like that. Yeah. So how did you guys meet? I saw... This is, like... I'm not... This isn't embarrassing. This is the future. Um, I saw a photo of him, and I was like, this is a very cool, handsome person. But I don't know anything about you. Um, and I, I have been really open and shared of myself and my work on the internet for like years. Like I'm, my Tumblr is going to turn 11 years old this year. So like, um, I was really in on social media early. I've been on Twitter for 11 years. I joined Instagram the day it launched for Android. I was late because I didn't have an iPhone. Um, so I saw Mitchell's, a photo of him and I found his Tumblr, but he didn't have a last name. He didn't really write. How long ago was this? This was five and a half years ago. Okay. 
And I just had no, like, there was no way to really know yeah. who he was, which made him seem really Ooh, cool. Yeah. Um, and finally, we followed each other on Tumblr without saying anything for months, probably like six months. And then one night, I was sort of getting over this, like, idiot guy that I had been having, a, like, a thing with. He was just, like, I mean, he was, like, very attractive with, like, knuckle tattoos and, like, piercings. Like, he was, like, a bad boy, you know, um, if that's a thing. But he was also just, like, no good. Yeah. Like, I don't have that much patience. Like, like I looks are... are so little of the picture and so everything else was bad and I was just like okay what this is so annoying and I was so annoyed and I was like there is like this very hot smart guy from Tumblr I'm gonna figure out his last name and I'm gonna ask him out and so I did I just like found him through Facebook through like people I knew we had mutual friends you know I knew we had mutual friends I found him on Facebook uh I messaged him my phone number and I was like Let's see what happens. And he texted me within five minutes. And he was like, hey, what's up? Like, you just gave me your number. It's me. And I was like, cool. Do you want to go out? And this is, like, part of, like, our story. This is, like, it's on our wedding website. It's so gross. Um, I was like, so when are you free? And he was like, uh, well, I'm working tonight. I think I'm probably free, like, next Tuesday. So did you know he was in New York when you said this? So I knew he was in New York, but I just didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Like, we had no personal connection no mutual friends we had we had like a mutual sort of friend so i recognized the photographer who took the picture like i recognized this the photo of him that i had first seen i recognized who had taken it okay who was someone that i knew and i was like well if so and so is photographing you you must be in with like this scene of like creative like cool people sort of like the cool gays of new york like circa (laughs) 2010 uh which I wasn't wrong, but yeah, finally, uh, I asked him out and he was like, I'm free next week. And I was like, no, when are you free tonight? And he's like, well, I work, like I work at a, I'm free at one, 1 a.m. And I was like, cool, see you then. And he was like, but you know, like I can only imagine him via text being like, but, but, but wait. Yeah. And then it was like too late and it was happening. And I showed up at the restaurant at one and he was like sweeping the back bar. Uh, and then was we, this like you? Like, are you like a grand gesture, I'll meet you at 1am kind of guy beforehand? No, I'm, I don't know if I'm a grand gesture. I think occasionally I'm like a dramatic gesture. Um, but you know, this was like, this was pretty far out of character for me. Cause I, I would I was never so fed up with everything do that. Else. I feel like I would just be so, I don't know. I'm a big like anticipation. Like the day has to be right. The like... I have to, I don't know. Oh, it'd probably I know be really good for me, but if I, if I was him and I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this today and then someone's coming, like, that would be very stressful for me. I, I, so to be fair, we did follow each other on Tumblr for six months. So even though we hadn't spoken, so he knew of, I wasn't yeah. like a creep. Well, not in that way. He not I, like I would be stressed. I would be stressed like, oh, I, I want, I hope I'm like at my best right now. What if I'm like a little bit sleepy or a little bit cranky? Oh, yeah, that's a good, a good point, I guess. He didn't take it super seriously because yeah. I seemed really like it was it was like a date, but also a non-date. Yeah. Because like if you're coming at one a.m., you're not going to dinner and a movie. Right. All I mean in New York, you could be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I was just really sure. I don't know how to how like I don't know how to communicate how I knew, but like I knew before I met him that he was the one, and then we met, and I was like, yes, and then. I knew, I mean, I just, I knew, I knew that we were going to get married one day 
And then after the first year together, I was like, okay, we're definitely getting married. And by the fourth, by like three and a half years, I was like, it, it's, it went from we're going to get married to like, when should we get married? And then we just sort of talked about it and we were like, should we be engaged? Yes. Okay. We are engaged. Great. When should we get married? Oh, five years from the day we met. Cool. Great. And then everything just sort of like fell into place from there. We had this beautiful wedding and at it was the like, strand. it was at the strand. Tell and me about that. How did that come to be? I just asked was the strand it? if they do weddings and they were like, sometimes. Oh, do you really? Want one? I just figured that you guys were the first one. No, they, a lot of people thought that, which is like flattering that people thought I'm like so important that the strand like bent over backwards. I did. No, they totally did it. I mean, I, I did have my second book release at the strand. So I know the events people there. Um, so I knew who to email like right off the bat, but they, they do private events. So and cool. so they were really excited just because they know, they know me and a bunch yeah. of those people are friends with me now. And like, you know, people were like personally invested, but uh, no, anyone anyone can do that, and it's it's relatively affordable. Um, you know, especially for for a wedding hall. Yeah. Because that stuff is crazy. I mean, if yeah. you just say the word wedding, like party plan or everything, like yeah. prices just jump. Yeah, like triple. so. Didn't say the word wedding. Yeah. I mean, to the strand I did, but for for some other stuff, I like played it really cool, and I was like, well, we just need a helium tank for no reason. Yeah. Like, what could it be? <laughs> Um, well, from the Instagram stalking, it looked magical. And the way that you guys met was like three times more magical than the story I thought you were going to say. The whole thing was like, yeah, it, I mean, if it, it doesn't feel like a movie, but it feels like my movie. Like when I think mm-hmm. about it, I'm like, this is crazy that this happened to me. And yeah. I don't use the word crazy lightly. Kismet. It doesn't, it doesn't, it feels like more than kismet because kismet because it's like kismet that I didn't deserve. It feels like nonsense. It feels like how? How is this possible? Mm. Um, yeah, I'm really. How is being lucky. married? How does that feel? It feels really similar, to be honest. And this is like speculation and exaggeration. Like this is hyperbole, but I feel like there are people who get married to try to fix a problem, which seems wrong that's like that doesn't make any sense to me yeah they say that about kids too which like first of all how are you going to bring life into the world to fix something else that seems very hard and bad and yeah um and marriage too i mean marriage isn't permanent nothing's permanent nothing really matters at all anymore uh or maybe it never did but but marriage is still expensive and time consuming and emotions are heightened and you're inviting a lot of people in your in your friendship, your family, in your life to like make decisions about yeah. you. So to do all of that and then be like, oops, and like get a divorce a year later. Um, and I'm not divorce shaming. I think if if it's not working, stop wasting your time. Um, if you have tried to fix things that it can't happen, like get out. But yeah, I don't know. We got married because we knew we were sure. Yeah. Um, and even as we were planning the wedding, we were like, well, we might get divorced, but can't worry about that now. But like, if we do, that's fine. Like, we respect each other. Like, yeah. I, as a Jewish person, as like a neurotic Jewish person, I feel like I'm constantly planning for everything. So I'm like planning our wedding, but I'm also like, hmm, should we get his and his burial plots? Like, should <laughs> we, what about that? And like, what what should we serve we we have talked about like our death plans we've talked about like what happens if one of us um slipped into a vegetative state we've talked about like that's smart what should the should there be a celebration should there be a commemoration like what would you want 
Um, do you want to be cremated? If so, like, what should we do with your ashes? I want my ashes to be baked into bread and fed to birds. And that's Ooh. disgusting, so I love it. <laughs> um, I think we talk about all the stuff yet that, that some people are uncomfortable talking about. Yeah. And too much honesty can be harmful, but I think con- like a conscious honesty can be great. Yeah. So we're I heard good. on another podcast once somebody said something about marriage of like, the wedding and the marriage, the marriage is for you, but the wedding is for everyone else too. It's like for bringing together all the people who rooted for you, all the friends who you called when you were so excited or when you called at your first fight to be like, wow, we did it. Look at them. And like, cheers to that. And I thought that was like a nice. Yeah. That's exactly what I think a wedding is. I said yeah. pretty much that to Mitchell. That's what I think birthdays are too, to be yeah. completely honest. Like in general, the parties not really about the person throwing a party. Right. Because, like, if you wanted to celebrate yourself, you could just, you could do that. You could take, like, a really long bath. Right. In, like, a clawfoot tub at, like, a beautiful hotel. Like, if you're going to drop the money, you could do things to celebrate alone. But but that's not the same. Right. And, and it doesn't feel... Yeah. It, I mean, for some people, that might be, like, the ideal celebration. But, yeah, to me, it's it's totally about everyone else and just having that opportunity to bring everyone you love in one space and feel like that intense emotion. Mm -hmm. And the wedding was totally that. I'm like that bitch now. I'm like, this was the greatest night of my life. Mm -hmm. Like I will live in that memory forever. I mean, I really enjoyed it just on Instagram. So it, yeah, it delivered. Um, Okay. I could talk about that. Forever, I know we haven't really so established time. like anything so, about my whole deal. Well, which is I wanted to talk about that. That was, I think, it was a good way to warm up the mics, if you will. But okay, copious notes. We gotta, we gotta get through some of these things. So you grew up in Toronto, and I, I heard that you were always a really creative kid. What did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? I don't think I knew. I think I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I still don't totally know. So I think a lot of my career has been like, well, what do I like doing? What feels right in in this moment or this year or at this time? Um, and and sort of as a hobby, I was like building websites and like doing a lot of internet stuff. And so when it was time to go to college, I was like, graphic design, that's what that is. I could just learn how to do it properly. Um, and that's what I did. I sort of studied design and techniques and software and um, I had taught myself to code previously, but I learned a little bit more. Um, <laughs> my code skills are very like rusty now just cause technology keeps moving forward so fast. You made a Pokemon site first, right? Yeah. Damn. Is that on the internet somewhere? Whoa. I need to be really careful with what, with what I put out <laughs> there. I mean, I there. didn't see the actual site, but I just heard no you one say has that. Yeah. yeah I, Mitchell has never seen the actual site and we're literally married. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I went to school, learned design, and, and just, I guess I figured I'd be a graphic designer, which um, in several different ways is exactly what I am still, you know, working mm-hmm. at an internet marketing firm, working in advertising, um, a brief stint at BuzzFeed, and then the things that I do on my own really incorporate design and design thinking and design techniques um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So you went to school in Maryland, right? Yeah, in Baltimore. And then at some point you decide, did you always know that you wanted to move to New York? What were your thoughts on New York before you moved here? Um, well, so Baltimore is like three hours, three and a half hours by bus from New York. 
So you're not, I mean, you're not in New York shadow. Baltimore is in DC shadow, if we're being honest. Um, it's 45 minutes up from DC. It's two hours south of Philly. Um, but then it has its own vibe. And so when you live in Baltimore, it's really easy to go to DC for concerts or go to Philly or come up to New York for an event. And I, at age like 20, 21, was coming up to New York like at least once a month to like go to a party, go to like all my friends used to go to this one club. There was like, there's like a chain of like nightlife. Um, and it was like, everyone went to the misshapes party, which I was too young for. That was like peak MySpace times. And then, um, and that's still the case here, right? There's like parties that we know happen. So I would go up and like hang out with a lot of people who are still DJs now. Um, and then I sort of got over a lot of that. Um, and just realized like, okay, I'm a Baltimore person. I'm like a certain kind of weird. I like paying cheap rent. I live in like a shitty punk house. Like this is my life. And then one week I was like feeling particularly lost. And I went to see a therapist, like sort of like a walk-in. I was like, Hey, here's all my shit. Like, tell me what's wrong. Mm. And she was like, okay, I'm parsing through your, you know, <laughs> paraphrasing. But she was like, okay, I'm listening to everything you're saying. I don't think that there's anything wrong with you. I think you're really bored. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then literally like two days later, my friend Chris was like, hey, man, he was from Baltimore. He had moved to Philly. And then he was being poached by a New York company to come up to New York and be a designer for them. Um, they were in like... I guess, pay his moving costs or whatever. And he was like, hey man, like, you're always in New York. I need a roommate. Like, do you want to just move to New York? And I was like, "Mm, fine, yes. (laughs) And I just decided to do it. I was like, okay, Chris is going to micromanage the shit out of this. He's going to get a rental van. He's going to find the apartment. He's going to do all the work. All I have to do is like go with the flow on this one. Yeah. Um, And I did. And I was was working remotely at the time, part-time. I had started doing sort of the the early stages of what I do now. I was selling products. I was designing some like print goods. I was doing some little zines and stuff. And I was like, there's no reason I can't do exactly this in New York. So I will just go. Yeah. And that was six years ago. What did you think of New York, you know, growing up or before you moved here? I don't think I thought about New York. Yeah. I really don't think, I mean, it's like, we know it's like a big city. Yeah. I had, I had come up to New York once or twice before to go to shows. Um, when I was like 18, I spent a few nights here cause I had like a friend from college who dropped out and moved here. And so we like hung out with her and like did teenage stuff. Um, I was like extremely drunk in public for like three days. <laughs> um, I did drugs for the first time. Uh, this is very weird. Uh, the first drug I ever did was acid, which feels like a very harsh place yeah, to start. drug. <laughs> but she was like that one friend that I was yeah. like, what were, sure, whatever, whatever, Cam, like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of my earliest New York memories, I'm like tripping balls, like running around, <laughs> um, like Lower East Side and the East Village and How do you feel like, or, and how did you feel like it then and now? compares to Toronto and where you grew up. I think I think that was an interesting way to come to New York. And then by the time I got I I lived here, I had already done like a lot of party stuff and like seen that sort of like fun and maybe more wild side of things. Um by the time I got here I was like, right, okay, it's a city and every city has 
that side of things, but every city also has like functioning adults who are accomplishing things. And so I think by the time I came, I was like ready to do that. Um, and as for Toronto, I, you know, I just was not, I wasn't like a late teen or early adult. And so it was really hard for me to compare what the lifestyle was like. Right. You know, when you're like in your, in your family home growing up, it's so, so different. Yeah. Um, but I've been back to Toronto as an adult. I'm like, oh yeah, I could live here. Right. And it's as expensive. So it will be yeah. like not a huge lifestyle change. Um, well, one thing I think is interesting when you talked about going to that therapist and being bored, I heard you talk about this before where you said something like you moved to New York to disappear and mm. you talked about how, you know, I, I loved this where you said, um, the cool thing about New York is that there is no city to crush your spirit harder or faster than New York and show you that you're not special, which is empowering. Can you talk about that? Do you still Wow, that's that great. Where did I I have no I mean that's exactly something I would say. Um, although I have a, a different way of saying that now. Okay. Um, I've sort of thing? come around. It's not that it's not that you're not special. What I've realized living in New York, um, and especially in the last few years, it's not that it's not that we're not special, it's that everybody is special, which is the exact same thing, of mm -hmm. course. Like, no one being special and everyone being special both result in, like, you need so to nice. have more than that. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's not enough to be special. Um, it's, it's about finding your thing and finding your way to break through. And you're not going to break through everything. You don't need to, but you need to break through um, in the small pocket of the world that you're trying to participate in or influence or change uh, one way or another and so that that is true is is coming to New York you like show up on day one and you're like I'm here and nobody cares like literally no but nobody cares nobody notices like it doesn't matter you have your like three friends that you knew before you got here you're sleeping on one of their couches for like a few weeks they're like excited for you but they've also like seen they've seen it before and you build up this whole story in your head of like, I have to succeed because if I ever leave New York, then I'm a failure to everyone back home and, and no one back home cares either. Like, right. it's weird how New York becomes this myth that we like create for ourselves and then subscribe to for, mm -hmm. for no reason. Um, but yeah, by the time I got here, I think I was just like, okay, it's a city and like, I'm nobody. I'm just like going to keep being nobody. And that's yeah. fine. I just need, I need new variables because I'm bored. Do you feel like in Baltimore you were, you know, your obviously your cost of living was way less. Do you feel like you, and you said there was a great community there. Do you feel like you were kind of a big fish in a small pond there and moving here was a way to challenge yourself? I don't think I was a big fish in a small, I would never use that phrase, I guess, right. ever. Because um, it feels wrong. But other people had said <laughs> that about me. And I don't think that's true. I think Baltimore has like, you know, every city has many different communities layered yeah. over top of each other. But I will say that at a certain point in Baltimore, it was like, okay, you've sort of seen everyone or there's the same places that you're going to people, even people who don't know you sort of like know you from being around. Um, and so coming here was like another opportunity to just like start from scratch on getting to meet new people and meeting types of people that I didn't see in Baltimore um, and also as, as a queer person, like this is a city that it's hard, is hard to beat in terms of like overlapping 
queer communities and access to resources um, that run the range from like professional resources, therapy, counseling, health services to like really like a, a diverse range of parties. Yeah. Like just being able to go to like so many different types of, of parties and be in spaces and like, you know, I, we, we had friends over for pizza. We do like a monthly pizza night where we just invite like a bunch of people and whoever comes, comes. And, you know, I'm looking around the room. I'm like, there are only three straight people here out of 40 people. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. No offense to straight people. Like, obviously you didn't choose to be straight, but it's kind of cool. It's cool that you can feel like that. I think the only other time I really felt that was like when I went on like a birthright trip to Israel Mm -hmm. as a teenager. And I was like, wait, everyone's Jewish. I'm not like singled out in any way here. Um, and I think a lot of people from different cultural or racial or ethnic backgrounds feel that when you go to a place where you are not a minority or where you find your people, that's really empowering. So that, that is something that is unique and special about New York. And I knew that I would come here and find love. I did know that. Mm -hmm. And I forgot that I said it so bluntly, but, um, one of my closest friends in his toast at our wedding made a point of saying like, Hey, so you know, Adam's really blunt and he said he was going to move to New York to find love. And then he did. So good job. You did it. (laughs) Accurate. I love that. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, there's so much I could, I could say about that, but I want to, um, yeah. And just like, well, this is what I was going to say. I'll say it quickly because I'm, I'm now like aware of the time and I have so many things I want to talk to you about. But I think it's important to feel inclusion, like you were saying, with having people, you know, in communities like you. And then also, you know, as a white person, as a fem- straight female, my boyfriend was telling me that like when he was in Nigeria and it's, it was felt so good for him to have the experience of being the minority because he's usually not. And so I think it's, I don't know, that's something I love about this city that you can walk through a million different, you know, areas and see so many different people just by walking around, which those areas exist in all different cities. But for some reason, I think here, I don't know, I guess it's just easier here to see it all at once. Yeah. Well, there's more people in a smaller amount of space here. Right. And... Yeah, you definitely will will find yourself. You'll just see more more types of people yeah. in New York, especially when you're coming from smaller communities or smaller spaces where maybe you don't feel that in the same way. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say that New York isn't like extremely divided by any number of factors. Um, but yeah, I think I think you feel yeah you feel that on a level here that you forget isn't the baseline. Yeah. Um, we so Mitchell's family is Japanese but live in Hawaii. But earlier in 2017, we all went to Japan for a family trip, and his dad is is older but had, has never actually been to Japan before, even though he's a Japanese man. And we were there for two weeks, and we were just looking around, and we were like, "This is so weird." And it wasn't weird because everyone was Japanese. It, like it's not weird for Mitchell to be around Japanese people, but it was weird because we saw like probably saw 10 black people in two weeks and I was just like this is uncomfortable yeah it was like and I and I recognize that it's also like has to do with where maybe the specific places we were 
Um, but it was weird. And we came back to New York and like immediately saw like every type of person you could ever see. And I was like, Oh my God, thank God. Like this, this is what real life is supposed to be like again. Um, which is, you know, also maybe like an ignorant, like white person thing to say, like, yes, Japan was very Japanese that it it is, that's their country. Right. But, But it was weird. Do you ever see yourselves living somewhere else? Do you feel like this is your home? I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We talk about it a lot. We actually have absolutely no idea. Yeah. I think it depends on a lot of things, like what we want to do, if we want to start a family. Um, I, can't, I can't imagine us adopting a child in the United States. We, I, would, I would work to get him Canadian citizenship, and we would have to move to Canada. Yeah. I just don't think things are great here. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really cool option to have, and I've sort of known my entire life that like I could marry someone and sponsor them to get like their visa and citizenship and like they could become Canadian and we could have a whole different set of rules yeah. and opportunities. That's really cool. It's it's a privilege, definitely. Yeah. Well going going back to when you first moved here, what were at that time you had a couple jobs you worked for BuzzFeed and the agency and then eventually I'm kind of speeding things up a bit, but you decided to fully your things kind of bubbled to the surface, focus on your business. What was, did you ever have a moment of, what was that process like mentally for you? Sure. Um, I feel like I am comfortable being a little more glib about it now. I got fired from BuzzFeed because I was doing too much personal work. And that's, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've talked about it since. For a long time, I felt like, don't tell people you got fired. That makes you seem like unhirable for other things. But like, the reality is that I was doing a lot of stuff while also being on like an experimental team at BuzzFeed. And this is after a year and a half at like a award-winning mid-size ad, traditional ad agency doing like TV spots. Um, this is after two years at an internet marketing firm doing coding edits for 80 clients. Went to BuzzFeed um, for eight months, was on a team of people making social media content with like no rules, full test case, 10 people cross-discipline, in literally a separate room what we weren't part of like the normal workroom, and uh you know it was an experiment and i reached a point when first book had come out i had done a bunch of product collaborations i had a thing with urban outfitters i was like leaving work early to do a book signing at moma <laughs> like i was busy but still in my head i was like you gotta have a day job gotta have a day yeah. job and everyone around me was like what are you talking about? I totally get that. And uh, finally, I, I pitched my second book, um, and the rough draft was due in September, and it was like the end of July, and I was like, hey, like, um, I want to take some time off work. Like, obviously, it would be unpaid, but like, I think I need like a week. And they were like, okay. And then I was like, I, actually, I need two weeks. Like, I need two, which is not that much time, honestly. Um, but we basically had this meeting where they were like, you're too busy to be here you should go. And I was like, I am too busy. Wait a second. (laughs) Wait. And it it was the part of me that's really cautious would probably have stayed there for fucking ever because my entire career up until just under three years ago, I was doing nine to five work in advertising. I was working like 10 to like 2 AM more often than not. We're crazy New York advertising hours. And then also built a personal career. Crazy. That was just like, yeah. that's not healthy. But so I was doing it and it was yeah. my normal. Um, so BuzzFeed, having this meeting where they were like, you gotta go, was really cool. 
Um, and then like a month later, that team was disbanded anyway. So I was kind of like, I got a head start. It felt yeah. Good. What was that transition like for you? Like the first day of, okay, this is something I've been doing this entire time. It's not new, but I've been doing it in pockets of time yeah. while also having this other thing that just, you know, some days it was probably took a lot of you, but some days maybe it didn't. What was it like to have full control of your schedule? I think it's important to think about what is useful about having a day job. Structure. Mm -hmm. Structure is really, really important. And for some people, it is impossible to create that structure for themselves. So right away, well, not right away. Um, since I got fired, I got severance pay. So I took a check. It was, it was like a nice check. I took it. Uh, I went to Montreal for a while. I went to LA for like 10 days. I had like a very nice end of the summer and then I got back and I was like this is a job now you are your own job yeah. and if you're going to do this you're going to do it right so you need to be waking up you need to be putting on socks you need to be dressed you need to sit at your desk you need to be working on your projects it was nice because I had this book that I had to make first a right. rough draft then final like that is a you're long a long project to work on yeah and I had my online shop already where I was designing products and I was like if, if this is your job, it's your job. Treat it like a job. And and for anyone who, and for you, for anyone who's thinking about doing your thing full time, like, it's a job. And it's hard. And you don't always know where the money's from. And you don't get the benefits that you would get with a salaried position. But that doesn't mean don't do it. It yeah. just means, like, if, if you want to work for yourself, be prepared to be your own boss and your own employee. How do you handle that uncertainty? Because I think that's the most alluring thing about staying in a job or staying in a salaried situation is no matter how hard I work, I'm going to get the same amount of money where when it's for yourself, you could, it, not even just that, but it's just out of your control sometimes or that it's more inconsistent. I yeah. guess maybe it's more in your control. I don't know. It's both. I mean, potentially... I mean, it's, it stands to reason that you could kill it because you would just work more. Right. But, but the reality is that, like, sometimes the work's not there. The reality is that at a job, you, there are tasks that need to be done and you do them. When you're your own job, especially as an independent creative, you're very often pitching yourself for opportunities. You're doing a lot of money that doesn't necessarily... You're doing a lot of work that doesn't necessarily yield money. Um, there's also things that you do that are a means to something else that are not paid that you don't maybe immediately see the benefit of, yeah. that that definitely feel like work but aren't the fun part of work. Totally. Um, 50% of my job is not creative work at all. Um, luckily, as, as a graphic designer and not... If I were a fine artist, it might be a different thing, but coming from a design background, I do have a little bit of like this built-in structure where I'm like, all right, I'm going to need these forms, these invoices, like this is the structure that yeah. I do things with. Uh, and, and this is how I do things. And also like I can build my own websites and I can do my own. It's different than being like, oh God, I'm a business day one. Brand myself, yeah. legalize that shit, get a website, yeah. get my products in order. You had an in-house. I, yeah, I am my own. Like I, I often joke that I'm the creative director of Adam JK. Because yeah. like my brand is a personal brand, but I'm also doing like everything from like billing yeah. and, and strategy through execution, production, and distribution. I A lot of hats. Yeah. 
But then again, we are, we're all like this. Yeah. This is this is the future of creative work, yeah. and I talk to everyone about that. Yeah. Uh, I know so many people who are exactly like that uh, in New York and elsewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I know we could talk about this for like ten hours. I know each thing I, I want to keep up keep going with, but I'm like t- making a segue anyway. Um, okay, one of the things I really relate to and love about your work so much, and I think everybody else does, is how much it feels authentically like you, and like it's the inside of your brain that you're just putting out. And have you do you ever feel like you lose that? And what I mean by that is like you know, like start making things that you think other people want or considering the audience. Yeah, more. that's a good question. I keep having this conversation with people too. Um, specifically in relation to Instagram because the algorithms are fucking over artists. And so we're really kind of like, all of us are like, ooh, like we need those, you need the, those likes right away or your content doesn't get shown to the rest of your audience. And so it's so much easier to fall into this trap of like, what do people want? And, and I know this about my Instagram specifically, which to me, my Instagram account is work, but it's not, it's not my work, if that makes sense. Like Instagram is not a portfolio. Instagram is like a sketchbook, um, which is a whole other conversation because there are people who see me writing like words on a color background and they're like, oh, that's what he does for a living. And it's like, that's not a job. Yeah. That's not a job at all. Um, but if I just did those sort of what I consider memes, like just text, text, maybe a simple doodle, like on, uh, for a social post, I would grow my following really fast. And I know that I know what kind of content works on my Instagram. I know what people like. People love like pure positivity. People don't want to really think about anything. People just like give them something good, send them on their way. Have a great day. Like thumbs up, smiley face. If I did that every single day, like I'd grow a huge following or, or a, a bigger following faster. And then I'd be worth more to brands who would pay me more money to promote garbage. Like that's possible. Um, so anytime I feel like I'm doing something that's too easy, mm. I don't do it. And it's never been my thing. Like I'm just, I've never been like the positivity inspiration guy. And it is frustrating that some people think that's what I am. Those are people who are, I think, truly missing the point. And so I've actually made, I feel like I make even more of a point now to be like, hey guys, actually feeling really depressed. Like, yeah. please read. Like, yeah. Yes, it's a heart, but it's fucked up. Like, let's talk about it. Um, and like I said at the beginning of this conversation, like I'll post a picture of Mitchell or like a video clip of myself talking. Mm-hmm. Like people see my face and unfollow me because they're like, I'm not here for a white dude pushing 30, I'm here for positivity, yeah. pink background, or or I'm, I don't want to alienate anyone, but like, too bad. Um, there's a lot of like, really religious, like, white lady lettering artists in like, the middle of this country, and some of them are like, okay with gays, and others are like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> I was here to be inspired. I didn't know this was like the devil's spawn. And like I posted a picture of Mitchell and I and lost like 400 followers. And I was like, if you can't handle two gay men, please leave. Uh, Did I answer any questions? I'm not sure. No, that was so great. Okay. Also, that's 
crazy that they're... It, it's it's just, great. I prefer it. I, I'm ready. I'm yeah. really ready to anyone... I'm, I'm ready to lose the people who expect one thing from me, and I'm ready to keep the fans... Fans is a word that I've only really recently come to terms yeah. with. I have... After this many books, I'm like, I'm okay with it now. So, so yeah. Sidebar, uh, it's taken me 12 years to ever use that word. Um, I, I want people who, who are a fan of my work, yeah. but also the person. And I just want people who get it yeah. to stay. And everyone else can like get fucked. I, I relate to that a lot, especially with the positivity piece. I think people saw me as like this self, self-helpy, like positive person and I sort of did the same thing of like wait there's darkness here too like I'm a person with multitudes and I don't actually even feel that way but you just people very quickly with social media put you into a certain box and I think you it's like our obligation to be more of ourselves fully on social media to get the types of people that we want to get to like be in our home essentially like yeah. You're inviting in. I mean, that's like a really tough lie. There are two things that I wanted to say mm-hmm. as you were going. Yeah. Um, I think you're absolutely right about finding ways to be our most our most authentic self. Um, I will say that I have seen a lot of like. <sighs> it's so hard to talk about pockets of the Instagram community because we know who we're talking about. I I see a lot of shit that's like. Sign up for my $500 e-learning course to learn how to be your most authentic self. (laughs) And it's like, I don't believe you. Right. I don't believe you. And I don't want to talk about names. As I started to speak more and participate in conferences and like sort of learn more about that pocket of things. Because again, I come from a graphic design background. I do not come from a self-help, spirituality, um, inspirational, motivational speaker background at all. Yeah. Um... As I've started to like see key figures or like the current crop of key figures in that world, I'm like, one, all of you are nice, pretty white ladies. Um, yeah. Again, and this isn't a personal attack, no, but there's, it's, okay. it's like so homogenous yeah. and so many people are saying things like authenticity, like this is my authentic self, like yeah. I love mac and cheese and it's like, bitch, we all <laughs> like mac and cheese. That's not unique. Yes. And that's something that I talk about when I talk. Uh, and my talk is mostly geared towards creatives, but you know, a lot of, a lot of creative people are like, I love like late night coffee hustle. And it's like, we all drink coffee. It's the right. same thing. Like that's not honest. Right. Uh, and so there's this pressure to commodify yourself into a two second soundbite because we have so many characters for our profile bio and that's it. But like coffee, mac and cheese, like these are not things that actually define us. Yeah. Um, and also, when you were talking about sort of this, like, self-helpy positivity thing, mm-hmm. how sad is it that, like, cloying positivity has, like, ruined the intention of what self-help is? Yeah. Because self-help does not mean sunshine and rainbows. Self-help literally means help yourself. Right. Self-help, like, innately means, like, there is something wrong here or something that feels negative. And it's unfortunate that because of just, like, this positivity, self-care clean eating I'm doing air quotes clean eating yeah. is is not a thing clean eating is that's like a whole other conversation yeah that's a whole which um, we usually talk about here yeah it's, it's like yeah like healthy eating and clean eating are two different things and the difference is like $45 right. um, and nothing's wrong with however you eat which is like a whole 
thing that we'll hopefully talk about if we have time. But yes, yeah, yeah like the, the the moderation is the only thing that actually matters. Right. Moderation and variety. Um, although some people do literally live in food deserts and like don't have access to fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of us who are these multi-hyphenate creatives, whether we're full-time, part-time, have a side project, we are sort of forced to subscribe to the rules of social media platforms. Mm-hmm. That's just how people are finding things. And even if you have a popular blog, people are, are going to the actual blog less and less. Yeah. And I just saw somewhere that... It was an interview with the editor-in-chief of Nylon who said something like 70% of their traffic comes from Facebook. So can you imagine, like, Nylon Magazine, which to me was, is, like, the, like, that's, like, where cool is invented. That was, like, my teenage idea of, like, the ultimate cool. Uh, nylon and Urban Outfitters. Um, my adult self is very thrilled to be pals with, like, both. Um, you know, we're, we're just, like, playing catch-up and we're just... Trend, we're following trends because we have no choice. Yeah. And so a lot of good intention is getting buried in hand lettering crap and, you know, a lot of authentic selves is being smothered in mac and cheese sauce. Like, yeah. it is difficult and it is, is trickier than ever. And there really isn't, like, one way to do it. And that's yeah. the hardest thing is, like, you know it when you see it, but it's really hard to communicate to someone else. It's interesting because I think vulnerability is is it actually people being their authentic selves but even that is becoming kind of yeah how many people can come out to their dad on a webcam right like that that's the ultimate vulnerable act and i was like cringing and rolling my eyes so hard because i was like is this worth five thousand followers right although those twins did get a modeling contract (laughs) and like continue to like earn revenue so like good for them and their dad loves them which is amazing um yeah there's just it's like everything has the potential to be good and also everything has the potential yeah. to be disgusting and like that's and we're internet. seeing yeah yeah that's life i mean right. that's that's everything everything right. is is good and bad at all times um yeah. and light and dark right and we we just see that over and over again right. so most people are good and i think the majority of people on the internet are trying to make good things yeah. but a lot of things that I think are gross are very popular right. and it's hard not to see half a million followers and think that's what success is yeah um, how do you handle your relationship to your phone and social media and being present it's very hard it is very hard um, I you know I, I'm obviously I'm looking at social media a lot um, all the time and sometimes it's because that's my work. And other times it's because, like, that's how I hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I group text with some friends. But then with other friends, it's like, I talk to you on Twitter. Like, I'm faming your tweets. And I'm replying. And I'm, like, seeing your updates that way. And especially in a city like New York, but also in, like, a global world, it's like, our friends live in a lot of different cities. Like, you're in a long-distance relationship. And it's, like, it's, it's better than ever because of phones. However... Phones. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's not all bad. Um, but I, I did delete Twitter off my phone at the beginning of this year. And so far that has stuck. And I'm on Twitter, but I have to be at the computer. And when I'm on my phone, that's a time to do other things. Because what was happening was I would lie in bed. I would climb into bed at like 10 p.m. And I would stay up till 1 a.m. just scrolling Twitter, like reading news. Like 
reading too much news, being yeah. too informed, being upset about a lot of things. Um, and Tavi Gevinson wrote a really great editor's letter for January so 2018 good. on Rookie, where she's yeah. talking about the outrage cycle and the way we share. And, you know, uh, it was it was really encouraging yeah. to read that. And I know that she doesn't update her own social. She has someone who helps her do that. Mm. And that's so fucking smart. We yeah. acknowledge that we need it, um, but we also need to take steps back. Yeah, yeah. And- like, like everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's moderation. It's the same thing. It's like, like do it till it's not fun anymore. Everything we're talking about, I'm like wanting to go in more, but taking us out of it because, um, which is why I like this conversation is reminding me why I like these conversations to usually be longer because I feel like I want to get into these areas, but there's so many things I want to talk about with you, which is like, a good analogy for social media because it's just like a little bite of something. You don't yeah. actually get the, you get a hit of like you're hanging out with your friends when you're liking their stuff or interacting yeah. with them, but it's not this. And that's why I like this because for, you know, 90 minutes or however long it is, it's both of our phones are in airplane mode and it's just two people having a conversation, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, that's true. And I think podcasts are the closest thing to that, which is why I know this medium is like, hugely popular yeah uh, and is an opportunity for people to feel like really in in on the thing yeah um but also like even when you have a conversation with someone in real life like you're still only getting selections of like what they're right Right. like it's like we talk about a lot of things on social media being like well that's how social media is but actually that's just like a more immediate and like it's like a microcosm for actual life yeah where people are also fake bitches and sometimes i i find like i was just talking to someone about this I'm, it's easy, some people are like, oh, it's so great that you're so vulnerable, or you've shared about your eating disorder, you've shared about whatever on the internet, I'm like, that's nothing, it's sharing about it to the people who I actually know in real life, and who are actually my friends yeah. and family, like, that's scary, sharing on the internet to strangers, like, that's nothing. I've been blogging since Live Journal, but I don't want my mom to read it. Right. Yeah, everyone right. can read it, except for my mom, that's like, that's totally. the rule, and I think... Yeah, because yeah. It, it's, it is quite easy to be vulnerable, especially it's like extremely trendy to be depressed. Exactly. It's been that for a couple of years. Like I find it mind boggling how trendy some mental illnesses are as opposed to others. Yeah. Um, it's like offensive. It's completely offensive actually. Right. Um, except for the fact that it is comforting to some people. Right. Sidebar again. Um, but well, yeah, that's we're we're all always just being versions of ourselves, and sometimes it's intentional, and sometimes it's because we are changing rapidly. Yeah. And it's like you reading me something that I said earlier in this conversation. Right. I'm like, that sounds like me. I still believe that, but now here's how my brain is communicating the same thing. Yeah. Where I'm like, that is totally me, but as I've evolved, I have found like newer or funnier or yeah. more comforting ways to think about those same concepts. I know it's interesting because. I think we change so quickly in our 20s. Like, I, I'm sure in every decade, but I can only speak for the 20s, and I'm a different person than I was, like, at the beginning of this conversation, you know? And I look at stuff that I yeah. made, you know, like, I brought you a copy of my book, but it came out two years ago. Let it out, a journey through yeah, journaling. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost kind of like, I'll Where just can uh, listeners take purchase that. this I'll from. I'll just take that. Um, the Strand with your book and uh, oh Barnes God. and Noble, but I'm like, I I literally am like, as we were talking, about, I, oh I my God, I am. Thanks, but it's just you know you feel so far from some of, and it, maybe you don't feel this way in all of your. I stuff do feel amazing, this way, but I just am like, 
from the design of this to there's a lot of things I you know I, I like about this book and it's you know it's done good things but I'm at this point right now with what I'm doing where I'm scrapping everything like I, I hate my website I hate my book cover I hate all everything and I just want to you change so quickly and I think it's when you're growing up on the internet it's it's harder to do that it's difficult it's difficult because we see other people doing things what feels like very quickly and it's also difficult because on the internet a lot of us have access to creative tools and we're like oh i know how to change that so i will like you can edit an instagram caption a hundred right. times you can't edit your book right and so my first book one page at a time came out um just over three years ago at the end of 2014 and it has sold over a hundred thousand copies in the u.s okay. it has sold over a hundred thousand in portuguese and brazil it just broke 60,000 in Spain. So it just cool. crossed 30,000 oh in Russia. God. Like total, total, um, I'm like number dropping here. Like all told, it's in 17 languages and it's probably like going to hit five or half a million, which for a book is a lot, but also isn't. But my yeah. point is the book is so ugly. Like I, my style has evolved so much. It's super me. The intention's me. The emotion is me. The handwriting is me, but but even my handwriting has changed. Um, and so when I see that book, I'm like, ugh, there's so much I would do differently. Yeah. But meanwhile, people are still discovering it for the very first time. Right. And I think we just have to be comfortable with the idea that we know that we've changed, but that version of us is still valid, is still yeah. good, and can still be helping someone else. Right. And like That's, that's part so of our story. Who, right. Like, I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's so who I was then, you know? Yeah. And that's not a bad thing at all. Right. Yeah. It's... It just can feel but uncomfortable. But I totally get it. It can feel yeah. uncomfortable. If I could sit down and just fully redraw my first book and then like ask them to reprint it from the new files, like, yeah. I would. I totally would. And with publishing, it's, it's so different too because first of all, the process takes so long. So even though this came out in early 2016, like I had written it like a oh, year yeah, before that. Course. And like I didn't have control of everything. You know, there's so many things that I feel like I need to have these pop-ups on some of my old projects because my website like that's so easy to change but like you said this is this is like forever these are going to be out in the world and yeah and that and that's the other thing too is like with instagram with our website we know how to make changes with yeah. traditional publishing with with a podcast for example with with sequential yeah. work that is published at a time like yeah. that's it like it's there and so yeah. yeah part of you has to learn to like let go and respect your process and this is something i talk about in my most recent book, Things Are What You Make of Them, is really about that. It's about it's about the last three years of my life. And it was written month by month over two years. As It started as a monthly column. And so it wasn't... I didn't sit down to write a book based on like what I thought was accurate. Mm -hmm. It was like... I felt very like Carrie Bradshaw where I was like sitting down for... Of course, I would say that is like uh, yeah. a very basic gay man. Um, I was Carrie Bradshaw. Um... <laughs> But I was like, well, what's my thing this month? Oh, this month I'm struggling with fear. And like this, it was like, it was like I had themes. I was like, yeah. oh, this month I'm like really upset about having to like collaborate with family and friends and how that is often so much worse. And so um, there was, there was a whole thing that where I was experiencing like this, this thing of like, I made this baby two years ago. Now I hate my baby. What do I do? Yeah. Um, and what I have learned through writing my own experience from publishing a book and then seeing people react to it in the three months that it's been out is like, 
everyone feels this. Mm. Like, literally everyone. And I sort of knew that, like, that's what the book is about. It's about, like, these baseline things that every creative person feels. Um, But then it's also comforting to have that repeated back to you. Yeah, it's like the more specific we are, the more relatable it is, I think. Which is a weird thing to realize. Mm -hmm. It's weird to realize that your shit is so fucking common. Because I feel like when you're younger, maybe your early 20s, you're like, ugh. These are my stresses and these are very difficult yeah. and like I accept my privilege, but this is still a hard thing that I'm dealing with now. And then you realize that there are people in the world, in other countries or in other parts of the United States who are almost your fucking clone. And sometimes it's horrifying. Like sometimes you're just like, like there have been moments when I've gotten a message that it's like me and my boyfriend really like this work because this thing happened to us and then this thing and this thing. I got this one message once where, like, everything they were describing had happened to me exactly, and I thought my brain was going to break. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, are these my soul? Do I, I have more soulmates that I didn't know? It was just like, you just realize that that even these very, very specific things that you are dealing with are still extremely common. Yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of just, you didn't know that it was out there, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you've enunciated it in a way that other people can hold on to where maybe they just couldn't communicate it that way. I mean, I think good work, any good work that I love makes me feel less alone. And I think that's what your, that's definitely what your work does for me and for so many people whose work for you makes you feel less alone or helps you. Mm. This is such a nice way to end this too. I feel like I feel like that is exactly what I've tried to do. And I feel that's what you're doing too. Is like we're turning our journey into these. We're, we're like turning our journey into, into this way to, to share outwards and find other people to be inspired by and to inspire and sort of like pass the torch while also getting more torches. It's like, we're all in like an Olympic March. Um, I feel like. There are, I'm really, I'm really inspired by uh, this whole creative community that I feel really lucky to be a part of, uh, of like-minded, similar, but different artists. Um, Hiller Goodspeed is, and it's hard to just say names because this is an audio format, but Hiller Goodspeed is uh, an illustrator that I just love. Um, Please look him up. You will get his vibe. It's like subversive, but also very sweet. Um, Johnny Sun, who has a book, um, Oh my God, what is it called? It's Everyone's an Alien. I'll, I'll find oh my it. God. I'll link to John, it. I'm like, I'm blanking because I'm excited. Johnny Sun made this book that seems like it's a kid's book, but it's like so extremely smart. He's just an absolute genius. Um, Nathaniel Russell is is an artist that I really admire. Just like very simple, sort of like casually mystical work. Um, Mari Andrew is like very popular on Instagram for her sort of a hyper literal but beautiful yeah. little uh, like writing um, with with images and she is she is her her art it is like so pure and I think that's the thing is like you can be you can be inspired by work but when you have the opportunity to meet the people who make the work mm. and who they are comes through and yeah, and you magic. realize that the work is actually honest then everything becomes so much more magical yeah. and so um yeah I think I would say those are some people who just really inspire me and who are close to sort of what I do I'm also just really inspired by just like so many people who do completely different things than me Michelle Branch and Alanis Morissette are my favorite oh, me too. like my my 
complete favorites and it's been so cool um you know having finding connections to to them through my work and that's so cool have you met them um i've I've met Michelle a bunch. I've never met Alanis before, but she wrote a blurb for my most recent really? book. Really? Yeah, I thought I was going to, like, shit myself. Oh, my God. Like, if so I died cool. today, it would be fine, because dreams accomplished. Oh, my God. Um, and I did I did merch for Michelle Branch's tour this year. She put out a new album, That's and it so was, cool. like, very cool. I'm really inspired by, by pop music like that, because pop music has this magical way of, like, putting messages in our head, and then we remember it forever. Yeah. Um, People like Kimberly Drew, who is a, an activist, she's also, she's a social media director for The Met, and so she's like an arts activist, and she's using technology to bring art to people, um, and is also just like a tireless, like, workhorse slash champion of others, slash just like really open about her journey and like her self-care, yeah. and sometimes self-care means yoga, and sometimes self-care means like living it up yeah. in like... Uh, a way that is is inspirational and doesn't yeah. make me jealous or mad or feel bad about myself. It just feels like, yes, like this is great. Yeah. Like what an inspiration. So yeah, yeah those are, I guess cool. those are a couple of people that... I had two more pages of questions oh that I want to ask you. And the questions that I ask every time. So we'll have to do this again another time. But oh my can God, I we'll do like the... a round two. Yeah, let's, let's do it. We'll okay, do yeah. I'll, and you... I'll try to be more brief. No, you don't need to be more brief next time. We'll like just have more time. It'll be great after okay. your after your trip. But the the name of this podcast, as you know, is Let It Out. Mm-hmm. So um, when I offer that to you to not bottle things up and let things out, I usually say, you know, did I bring you dry for all of your wisdom? But I feel like I didn't ring you dry this time because I have more that I want to talk to you about next time. You'll never ring me dry. Okay, great. Yeah, and I Perfect. I let everything out always. Great. It's like not a struggle. What is something right now that you feel like you're wanting to to let out or you're wanting to do more of or share more of or like what are you excited about right now? I'm very excited about thinking about ways to embrace community. And I very often feel like my people are online and New York is just a city and it, you don't have to be here to do cool stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, but this year I'm really thinking, well, okay, but some people are here like how do we throw a party for them? Or like, how do we do like readings with writers that I really admire? Like what can we do in a tangible space? Cool. So that's something on my list. I love that. All right. That was my episode with Adam. I hope you liked it as much as I did. If you're still listening right now, I think you're great. I think the world of you and, oh, I have an announcement actually. I am officially hosting. I'm going to be the MC of the good fest the next one which is in philly and i spoke there about a year and a half ago about a year ago now actually and now i'm going to be the mc of the entire day so that should be that should be a delight and you should come if you're on the east coast or if you're not on the east coast you should come to the east coast and philly is such a cool city i was there for the first time last year when i spoke and I, I really enjoy Philly, so I'm, I'm psyched to be there, and I hope that a lot of you get to come. There's a discount code. I think it's just my name, but we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Everything Adam mentioned will be in the show notes as well. And sign up for my secret newsletter, too. It's my um, Let It Out letter. I write it, I would say, every month, but it's not. It's every when I feel like it. <laughs> but it's a personal essay for me and links of things I like around the internet. All right, I love you. The emoji for this week's episode is the lightning bolt. I'm not sure if I've done that one before, 
but it's my favorite emoji. I kind of use it everywhere. It's a nice, like, if you're sending a heart, send a heart with a lightning bolt. If you're sending a flower, send a flower with a lightning bolt. I'm sure I've used it before, but if someone wants to tell me the episode I used it for, you're, you win something. I'll send you a copy of my book signed and maybe a copy of Adam's book too. I don't know. But if you can do that, you are a, you're a, uh, you're a big friend of the podcast. That's what you are. Okay. I love you. Send me the lightning bolt. Comment it on Adam's Instagram. Comment it on mine. I'm at Katie Dalebout everywhere on the internet. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Oh, and thank you so much for all the nice notes about the new season. It's been great. If you haven't listened to the episode with Lacey Phillips or last week with Kim Johnson, go back and listen to those two at least. Um, I, they're really great. And next week I have a fabulous guest, Jenna. She is also known as the... You'll just meet her next week, okay? I'll tell you more about her then. Love you. Bye. Guys, I love a clean apartment, but what I don't love are the nasty chemicals found in traditional cleaning products. And that's why I love today's sponsor, Branch Basics, a very cool, sustainable, and affordable cleaning product line. Their products are all one multi-purpose concentrate that makes cleaning simple, affordable, and sustainable. All of their products are refillable and significantly less expensive than similar single-use products. They are not only safe, but their company also is eco-conscious and completely sustainable. I really love these products. They work on everything from sticky messes to terrifying stains. They have really made my life easier. I use them on everything from my laundry to cleaning my bathroom. Check them out and get 15% off your order of Branch Basic products by going to bit.ly slash L-I-O Branch Basics and entering the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-I-O Branch Basics and enter the code LETITOUT at checkout. This episode is brought to you in part by something I use and love called Acuity Scheduling. It's like a personal assistant for your schedule, only better. With Acuity Scheduling, people can quickly view your calendar in real time and from your availability, select the date and time that works best for them to meet with you. They can even pay in advance if they're booking a session with you and they can cancel or reschedule on their own without having to clog your inbox. With Acuity, you can instantly schedule with real-time availability, meaning no double bookings and no more wasted time. You can set up automatic confirmations and reminders. And what I love most is that you can customize the colors and add your logo. Everything looks super sharp. To try it out, you can get an extended 45-day trial when you sign up totally for free at acuityscheduling.com slash let it out. To get that 45-day free trial, go to acuity scheduling slash let it out. The music you're hearing behind me now and all other original music in this episode is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. The album art is by artist Zoe Harmon, and this podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Sharp and hosted by me, Katie Delbout. Check out our website for show notes to everything mentioned. <laughs>